have you all here. I'm glad you braved the rain. I was talking to Dennis. He says, he says people here uh, react to the rain the way people up north do to snow. And uh, <laughs> I was th- I got up since you know, I got up this morning. I was watching the weather, and I'm thinking, uh huh. Uh, we prayed that it would all go through before church started, and most of it did. But uh, <laughs> we are here. Um, I think we have some pictures. Some of y'all know, and most of y'all know, that we went to Israel, um, several of us here, and uh, I decided to start by, well, just showing you some pictures of the places we went, and we're going to, and then I'll teach a lesson on the different places. That way you get, we get to share our pictures, not all at one time to bore you to death, but we'll give you some spiritual application. This picture that you see right now, that's Mount Carmel from a distance. It's looking toward it. It's in the northern part of, more northern part of Israel, north, north central, uh, between the coast and the Jezreel Valley. That picture is actually taken from the Jezreel Valley, and that shows you what it is. There's another, and down there toward the bottom of this picture, again, this is Mount Carmel, down in this valley area here is where a lot of what we're going to be learning about today happened, and uh, actually it's part of it's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah the prophet, this is where he had uh, his big victory over the prophets of Baal. Um, I think that's a prophet of Baal uh, sitting there. I don't know how that would go. You can keep on going on that one. <laughs> this is a statue on the top of Mount Carmel. There's a church there now. Um, and uh, this is a statue of Elijah chopping off the heads of 400 well, he only shows one, but he chopped off the heads of 400 prophets of Baal after this big thing went on. And if you're not really familiar with that Old Testament thing, let me tell you just quickly what happened. Um, hasn't rained for years. Lord, the, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he told this wicked king named Ahab, who's, and Ahab's wife was Jezebel, he said, it's not going to rain. And it didn't. And uh, then they had this big contest. Ahab brought all his prophets that worship Baal, and they were going to uh, make this great offering, and they uh, uh, cut up all these um, bulls and uh, laid them on an altar, and they, the prophets jumped around, and they hollered, and they screamed, and they cut themselves, and, and nothing happened. They're false prophets. What do you expect? Elijah comes. He has them wet all of his stuff, and then he calls down fire from heaven, which consumes the whole thing. And then Elijah said, time to get rid of these guys so he kills 400 of them this is from the top of mount carmel looking out that's the jezreel valley um where he cut everybody's head off would be down here in this portion right in uh, that area kind of along that that road bed it's also a a, a creek bed because that's where they got the water he didn't cut their heads off on top of the mountain after he cut all their heads off he ran up to the top of the mountain and watched for the, uh, the rain to come. The rain came, he ran down the mountain, then ran 17 miles to the city of Jezreel, ahead of Ahab the king. And then we'll start talking about that a little bit later. Go ahead. Again, that's from the top of Mount Carmel, looking out over the Jezreel Valley, and that's part of the compound, the church, and the, uh, and the stuff that's out at, on Mount Carmel now. And there's our whole group, minus one. We had one young man, he never liked getting his picture taken, 
Everybody's still trying to figure out what's going on with that. Is he some sort of spy or something? We don't know. But um, he never got his picture. But that was the group that was with us and, and uh, underneath the prophets, uh, uh, the, the statue of uh, Elijah slaying those prophets. It looks like we could get cut up pretty easy there too. All right, I think there's, that's it. Okay, if you will, go to your Bibles. 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. We kind of touched on that a little bit. I'm going to read just a verse from there, then a, a few verses out of chapter 19. We're going to be mostly in chapter 19 this morning. Um, <clears throat> chapter 18, starting in uh, verse 41, it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went with him to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And when he went up, he looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare thy chariot to get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass, in the meanwhile, that the heaven was black with clouds, and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah, and he girded up his loin, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now I want you just to picture this. Remember those guys wore longer clothes. Long, roby type clothes. So they have to pull them up, tuck them in their shirt, in their, their belt, or their garter, or however you want to call that, and tuck it in so they can run. Uh, ladies, have you ever tried to run in a skirt? What do you have to do? Got to lift it up. Okay, well that's what these guys had to do. And, and Elijah did, and he ran from Mount Carmel, and he ran all the way to Jezreel. That's 17 miles. Let's go on to 18 now and see what happens. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to, unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. From Jezreel to Beersheba is about 100 miles. Now, I don't think he ran that whole 100 miles. Okay? He ran a marathon from Carmel to Jezreel, but when he heard that Jezebel was going to kill him, he got really scared, and he took off for another 100 miles to get away from her. And I'm sure he went pretty quickly, though he didn't run. <laughs> After he went there, it says, <clears throat> verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept under the juniper tree. Behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. 
and he did eat and drink and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and he did eat and drink and he went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Elijah had a great, great victory. I mean, he, he called down fire from heaven. He killed 400 prophets of Baal. He ran a marathon. And then this woman said that she was going to kill him. He got depressed. He got scared. I'm not sure about that. I mean, it doesn't make sense to us, does it? But he got scared. He went another 100 miles. And then a day's journey out, which is about 20 miles, he sat down and said, God, just go ahead and kill me. I'm ready to die. How many of y'all are a little bit tired? You, you realize you're suffering from something called hurricane hangover? Now I want you to think about this. For that week or so gathering up to the time of the hurricane, you got adrenaline going. You're put, taking care of this, you're taking care of that, you're trying to find out if you, figure out if you're going to bug out of here, if you're going to stay and ride it out. And then we get to the storm, and, and praise the Lord, it wasn't as bad here as we thought. My wife's still putting our house back together. because She remembers Charlie. She took everything off the walls. Everything, everywhere. All off the walls. Everything off our back porch. Uh, Marcus and uh, Laurel put up the shutters. Our house, it was... We're still putting stuff away. We're still putting stuff away here and fixing things, and we got some more work to do. And you kind of look around, you'll see there's some spots in the ceiling, and there's some flashing out the front, and we're getting all that's going to be taken care of. But we're takes a little bit to get there. You all who left had to drive back through all that crazy traffic. Those of us who stayed, we've been cleaning up and working and doing things. And you come back and you fix this and you fix that, and you're tired. You wore out, that adrenaline has flushed down. It's easy to get depressed. Easy to get down. Then you have a rainy day like this. Hard to be bubbly on a rainy day. Except for Kim Bates. She is awesome. You know, this, this let down after a victory. By the way, if you fill in the blanks, that's your first thing. There's a let down after a victory. By the way, we were victorious in this spiritual battle, this, this physical battle over the, the hurricane, we won. We have, for me, it was even, it was extra, because I'd been on two weeks of adrenaline being in Israel. And we would get up, <laughs> I'll never forget our guide, his name was Menachem. Menachem would say, you'll get a wake-up call at 6.30, breakfast at 7, we leave at 8.00. And we went from 8 to about 4.30, 5 o'clock, hard every day. Every day, going from here to there. Um, I don't know, Miss Marilyn and Miss Jan, do you ever get that much exercise? <laughs> Never will again. <laughs> Tell you what, I told them before we went, you're going to walk a lot. That just didn't explain to them that most everything's uphill both ways. At least it seems like it. Even coming downhill can be a little treacherous, right, Charlie? Uh, the most fun we had was walking through the caves, and that was, that was great. And the water and the dark, and it was fun. The ladies didn't do that. But listen, I was on a, a, on a two-week high there because 
man, there's just stuff coming left and right, and there's exciting things happening. And I get back, and, and I'm sitting at the airport, standing at the port, airport, charging my phone, talking to as many people as I can, trying to figure out what's going on here, if we're going to get back. And then we do the hurricane, and we had the shelter going in here, and we had people there, and whew, it's finally over. You had At the Cavender's house, man, they had an island. They were, they were, they were marooned for a few days. At Cavender Island, kids coming off on, on, on swamp buggies, and they had to buy a boat to get back and forth to the street. Um, all of a sudden now, we're having a letdown. Things are getting back to normal, but you're tired. You're physically tired. What do you think about Elijah? I mean, he, had, he prayed down that fire. He cut off all those heads. He ran all that way. You think maybe he was a little bit physically tired. He, there was this huge victory he had by the way this thing is known uh and and, and even in secular areas there was a, a swimmer uh named allison smith she won five medals at the london games in 2012 three of them were gold medals and when she got back she was depressed and she couldn't understand why she had great success everything had gone so well and it was wet now I've read several times, uh, there's an ex-Florida State football player, ex-Fort uh, Myers football, baseball player, ex-NFL player, played several teams, his name's Deion Sanders. They called him Neon Deion. Well, Neon Deion, he had played in Super Bowls, he had played in World Series, he had done all these things, he was incredibly gifted, and he came to the point where he was ready to take his life. Because... So what do we do? God intervened in him, and he called on the name of Christ. His doctrine's a little fuzzy, and he acts a little weird, but uh, he has a testimony that he called on Christ. Here's the point. After we have a great victory, there is a letdown that pulls us down, that tends to bring us into a place where we're not functioning as healthily as we should. Not only that, not only that, there's still enemies out there that want to destroy you. Poor Elijah. Man, he came, and Jezebel. Jezebel, this, this she's an awful lady, by the way. I'm not going to go into all that today. There's a lot of great study in this area. We did a little bit of that study while we were in Israel, but if you study about who Jezebel was and who Ahab was and the type of sins they did and, and why there's a lot of reasons certain things happen, it all connects. It's just a little bit deeper Bible study. Maybe that's one that Dennis can teach in his class sometime after he gets through Bible doctrine because that's a great class. By the way, my class, I'm going to be teaching on parenting. Um, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made did some things well and I'm reading people who did things very well, and I want to try to give you some biblical, uh, some biblical principles will help you be a better parent. But listen, we have enemies. Jezebel is going to kill Elijah. The enemy didn't go all go away. Our enemies don't go away. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you something there. Uh, if you haven't experienced it yet, you will very soon. There will be some spiritual warfare going on. 
this last week coming out of the hurricane and getting back into normal, we start doing things like have an insurance guy come around. And the insurance guy looked around and he looked at our deductible and he said, you need to withdraw your claim because you're never going to get even close to your deductible. We have a fairly high deductible. And it's okay. And then you realize that we missed a whole week of offerings because we missed a service. And a lot of people are really great and they have, they have given on to that. That's another little, the enemy's out to get us. They're out to put us down. Satan uses these little things to to discourage and to depress. And listen, when you have a spiritual victory or if you have a physical victory as an athlete, you're coming after this, there's still people that are out to get you. Satan is still there to try to destroy us. Do they want us to succeed? Do they want us, does Satan want us to to minister to this community in, in, in ways far beyond our imagination? Does he want us to continue to be a witness in this community? Or would he rather us just kind of withdraw in and, and wear out? See, we still have that enemy. And you still have that enemy. That enemy that will try to destroy you and try to bring you down. Listen, there's a drop-off after victory, and there's still enemies that want to destroy you. And thirdly, exhaustion clouds our thinking. Look at this. 1 Kings 19, verse 3. And when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He's wore out. He's tired, he's depressed, he's ready to die. Now, does he really need to want to die? I don't really think so, but his thought process is clouded. Mark 16, 31, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. For there, are, <laughs> there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. All through the Gospels, you see Jesus going apart, getting away he went apart to pray but he also went apart to rest because everybody was demanding on him and he needed rest he could get exhausted and we get exhausted secular term place called Livestrong put this out it said exhaustion also referred to as extreme fatigue is a lack of of energy that affects a person's ability to perform mental and or physical tasks. While the possible causes of exhaustion are virtually endless, the most common include excessive stress and lack of quality sleep. Mental and physical exhaustion can greatly affect a person's ability to function at work or in other areas and can have a negative impact on health when caused by a lack of sleep. Understanding the nature of mental and physical exhaustion can help lead to effective methods of preventing and treating the condition. Even the world knows that when you're exhausted, it causes difficulty in your thinking. It clouds your thinking. Yesterday afternoon, I was watching the Florida State game. Larry, did you watch that? I actually turned it off about midway in the fourth quarter. It was awful. But one of the commentators made this statement. 
He said, these guys are tired. Florida State, this is only their second game. They've had uh, uh, a game canceled, a game postponed. All this hurricane stuff has affected that team. And so the other team has already, this was their third or fourth game. So they were already in playing shape and going, and the Florida State guys were not <clears throat> in, in game-type shape. And they started making a lot of mental mess-ups. Okay, well, it didn't just affect them physically. When you're tired, it affects your judgment. It affects your thinking. It affects your performance in that area. Elijah was exhausted, and he's thinking, I just want to die. Hey, he had prophet of Baal hangover, where we are suffering a bit from hurricane hangover. By the way, lack of sleep, exhaustion, it causes psychological uh, impulsive behavior, causes depression, paranoia, suicidal thoughts. It's really important that you get some sleep. You get some rest. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. We have got to battle spiritual burnout. Not only that, we need to battle physical burnout. Here's how we do that. Number one, by resting our bodies. By resting our bodies. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Again, that verse in, in Mark, Mark 6.31, and he said, and Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest, for, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, they had no leisure so much as to eat. As to eat. If we're going to fight and battle this spiritual warfare, these, this, and, and try not to burn out spiritually, or if we're going to try not to burn out physically and emotionally and everything else, we have to get rest. God provided a 40-day retreat for Elijah. For 40 days, he stayed out by the juniper tree. He slept. He rested. God brought food to him. 40 days, Elijah rested. How many of y'all are resting? I know there's so many things to do. I know we got homeless coalition tomorrow. We got football game. We got this going on and that going on. Not to mention all the stuff going on in your regular life. How oh, we got oh man, uh, good news clubs coming a week from Tuesday. Um, wildlife starts Thursday. Um, how do we, we've got to get some rest? There are times when you've got to get rest. There are times when the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. I thought I'd get an amen on something. That'll do it. Listen, this afternoon, after you go out and eat, or you go home and eat, lay down and take a nap. Get some rest. 
By the way, I'm just going to say, we're not doing life group. My class is not doing life group tonight. We'll get started again next week. I need one more Sunday evening of rest. Okay? People tell me all the time, oh, you work too hard. Okay, I'm going to take Sunday night off. Listen, we need to rest. We have to repair ourselves physically because the physical affects the mental and the emotional. And more than that, the physical affects our spiritual. You see, if we're going to battle that burnout, you've got to get rest. You ever wonder why God said, work six days and rest on the seventh? More than that, when Israel did that, he blessed Israel above all the other nations around them, more fruitful, more... In fact, they still practice that. You know what it's like to get on an elevator in Israel on Friday night? Let me tell you what happens. It's work to push the button. So you... It opens, the door opens, you get on, and you go to every floor. It's automatic. It's called the Shabbath. Sabbath. It's the Sabbath elevator. Because you can't push the button, that's work. But God is blessing Israel. They take serious the Sabbath, and Israel is blooming all over. I was amazed at all the different produce there. From apples in the Golan Heights, avocados, bananas around the um, and mangoes all around the Sea of Galilee. There's stuff growing everywhere, all sorts of things. All around Israel, that's not happening. You see, sometimes we think we're everything depends on us. It all depends on God. And God says we need to get some rest. So we need some rest. He'll bless it. He'll bless it. So this afternoon, be very spiritual and go home and take a nap. Anybody argues with you, say, no, my pastor said I can do that. <laughs> Not only do we need to rest our bodies, but we have to listen to the Lord. Maybe that, let me go back to that. Let me change that a little bit. We have to listen for the Lord. Look at verse 9, 1 Kings chapter 19. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have, I for, um, have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Psalm 46.10 Someone once bought me this. I got a plaque with this on. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. We have to listen for God. Be still. He usually speaks in a quiet voice. A soft voice. Listen for the Lord. Here's a verse that's all 
so often preached out of context. This, this verse is preached as a salvation verse, but in, in, all, in all honesty is written to church and to members of the church of Laodicea. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. We have to listen for the Lord. He wants to communicate to us. We have to rest our bodies and we have to listen for the Lord. And you notice that it that, that, that it did, there wasn't it wasn't in the great wind. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire. It wasn't in all the flash and all the noise. But there was a still small voice. Be still and know that I am God. As you rest, take away all the clutter. Shut it off. Shut off the television. Shut off the radio. Turn off the computer. Open God's Word. Let Him speak to you. Listen for Him. We live in a time where there's so much information being thrown at us. There is so much coming at us in so many different ways. And the more tech-savvy you are, the, 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 the crazier it can be. Man, we have access to more stuff, and, and, and it's just noise, and it comes, and it can be overwhelming. And when you're tired, and when you're battling a, a, a bit of a burnout from a spiritual victory, or from a physical victory, when all these things, all this closes in, it's hard to hear from God. Turn the noise off. Be still. And listen for that still, small voice. If we're going to battle burnout, we have to rest. We have to listen for the Lord. And lastly, we've got to go back to work. 1 Kings 19. Verse, well, better read 12. Well, we'll just start with 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it, heard that still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of, yes, I can't pronounce that, Abelimelah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Elijah rested for 40 days. The Lord provided for him. Then the Lord spoke to him and said, Elijah, it's 
time to go back to work. Hey, I want you to go anoint this guy. I want you to anoint this guy. You got a guy you got to train because he's going to take your place. And by the way, I am in control, and there's 7,000 people that you don't even know about that are still on my side. James says, Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Romans 12, verses 9 through 11, uh, talk about serving. It says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Listen, there's things that we need to do. There's people in, within our church who are hurting. Marilyn lost her house. Oh, did, the, did the wind do it? No. But all that water, the river rose and flooded her house. She's homeless right now. I think she's staying with your son. Okay, that can't be too bad. It's not too bad, but he'll, he'll get on your nerves after a while. You want your freedom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love my kids, and I love when they come, and I love when they go. Listen, um, there's people that need help. There's people, uh, Miss Donna, where she is? She's back in the nursery. Okay. Miss Donna has been in the hotels for a couple of weeks. She's getting to go back to her house today, she told me. I'm sure that some of you all have damage and stuff that you need some help with. There's others here that we can help with that. There's things we can do. There's people who just need somebody to pray with them. We're going to go help those parents from the uh, football team Thursday night. Man, I, I was thinking, wow, Thursday night? And I just realized that helps us for Saturday. Those who, those, those who are going to work on Saturday, we don't have to be up late Friday night. We can get a good night's rest and a good... They want us to paint on Saturday. We need 10 people to paint. I know we had a lot more than 10 people sign up to help with the Habitat um, for Humanity thing. They had, can use more um, workers in their stores, and we can always set up another time to serve to, so that we can take turns and get everybody involved. Help this lady get a home who's been off and on homeless for about two years. You see, we can start serving. We can start doing we can start helping. You know, even the world knows that, that that helps. When we serve, when we serve others, secular people will tell you that it brings more happiness. Something about it, 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 it lights up our brain. And we these chemicals start flowing like dopamine and, and serotonin. And we start feeling better. We get happier when we're serving somebody else. It reduces stress. I'm not sure how this works, but it says that, it, it, that one study showed that when you're serving, you, you're, 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 it relieves pain. It, it's a way of, of pain management. That it drops that pain. And it also, it leads to a longer lifespan, lower blood pressure. It reduces mild depression. Oh, by the way, it helps your career. Get those volunteer hours. We need to go back to work. Because God knows that when we are busy serving Him, 
which means we're busy serving others, that we're going to be happy. We're going to be have less stress. We're going to be healthier. We're going to, it's not going to be as painful. And we're going to glorify him above all. So let's battle that burnout. Okay? Let's get some rest. Let's listen for the Lord. Let's go back to work. Let's pray this morning. Father, uh, as we come this morning, we're, yeah, we have a bit of a hurricane hangover. There's a lot of uh, people who are really...